Good morning, Evangel Church family. With everything that's happening in our world right now, as you know, we're not able to gather for our normal Good Friday communion service. But sharing communion together, even though we're apart, is something that is very important for us to do today. And so we've made this opportunity and provision available to you so that you, whether you're there alone in your home or you're surrounded by family, can participate in communion with us as we celebrate the significance of Good Friday. And so I would ask you to prepare if you haven't already, get some juice, get some bread ready, and in a little while, we'll participate together. Thank you for being here with us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross that sets us free from sin and gives us hope. Lord Jesus, help us to trust in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of sun I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was saved. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last
The reading today is from Luke chapter 23, verses 26 to 49. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him, and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The death of Jesus took place about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the woman who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Thank you, Jennifer, for that scripture reading this morning. Luke's record of the crucifixion of Jesus contains a story within the story that is not found anywhere else in scripture. It's the story of Jesus and his conversation with the thief on the cross next to him. It makes sense for Luke to include this account because it frames one final time for his readers that Jesus' ministry was primarily focused on those who were marginalized and excluded. Execution was an extreme form of marginalization and exclusion from society. We see in this story a conversation between Jesus and the two criminals who were crucified with him. From these two criminals, we see two con contrasting attitudes. The one criminal joined in with the cries of the rulers and soldiers, calling on Jesus to save himself if he really was the Messiah. 
in their eyes, the cross, the crucifixion, is evidence that Jesus was not the Messiah. They're actually mocking him. The second criminal held a very different opinion. He rejected the view of the other criminal. He was repentant for his crimes, admitted that he was suffering justly, getting what he deserved to get. He also recognized Jesus' innocence. The second criminal was able to understand that Jesus' death was a necessary part of God's plan. Jesus was rejected and near death, yet this second criminal had faith in Jesus as the Messiah. He asked if Jesus would remember him when he entered into his kingdom. Now, these were not the best of circumstances. Jesus and the criminal are hanging on crosses. Both are dying. Jesus was innocent, falsely accused, a victim of the spiritual leaders who were threatened by him. The criminal was a different story. He admitted that he deserved everything that was coming to him. He'd made poor choices. He hurt innocent people. He'd taken wrong roads. He'd neglected the warnings along the way. A life of poor choices had culminated to this moment of humiliation and death. The cross was a cruel form of capital punishment practiced by the Romans at the time of Jesus. It was reserved for the vilest of criminals, those who had rebelled against Rome, those who had committed the worst crimes. The purpose of, cru of crucifixion was a public display of shame as one died a slow, painful death by asphyxiation. This man was a criminal, a sinner, unworthy, didn't deserve forgiveness, didn't deserve mercy, didn't deserve grace. His choices, his actions placed him on the outside of acceptance by society. There would be no opportunity for him to redeem himself, to make things right, to even prove that he was sincere. The man couldn't do anything for Jesus. He has a big ask, but there's nothing he can do in return. He can't share his testimony of how Jesus changed his life. He can't continue to spread the good news of the gospel after his life has changed. He's dying. He was a sinner, a loser, hopeless, who had wasted years, who had hurt others. How is this request possible? Well, we see that Jesus responded immediately and positively. The criminal has already shown remarkable insight. Jesus affirmed that this man actually understood. In fact, the criminal is the only one who actually is getting it, who understands what's happening here. The disciples really don't even get it. The criminal could see that somehow Jesus' death was linked to his royal power, to his kingdom, that this was all a part of the kingdom. Jesus confirmed that the man's request would be granted. And he, he said to the man, today, today you will be with me in paradise. The word paradise was a Persian word that was taken over by the Greek language and it symbolized a place of beauty, a place of peace. Paradise is the place where God dwells, where angels worship, where Jesus 
is enthroned. And so the last person to turn to Jesus for help was the least likely person. He was the only one who truly understood what Jesus was doing through his death. It's difficult for us sometimes to separate a person's sin and choices, mistakes, and lifestyle from the person themselves. We tend to assign value, give compassion and love, offer forgiveness and hope based on a person's actions, what we believe someone deserves. But the truth is, we all do things that disqualify us from grace and mercy. None of us are deserving. But Jesus does not assign value to us based on what we have or haven't done. Nor does he assign value based on what we can do for him in the future. We are all valuable. Despite where we have been, despite what we may have done, God loves us. We're valuable simply because we exist. To Jesus, we are worth dying for. Now, there are a lot of people that think that it's too late for them. They've wasted their years. They've done wrong things. They've hurt people. They've messed things up. And it's true. You can't go back and undo the past. You can't go back. But you can choose to trust God with your future. It's never too late to give your life to Jesus. The celebration of communion is a reminder to us, all of us, that Jesus died for us, all of us. And so as we celebrate today, we express our gratitude to Jesus for dying on the cross for us. At this time, we're going to be celebrating communion together, even though we're apart. You know, every Sunday when we celebrate communion at church, we are reminded that we are sharing in something that is not limited to those who are in the room, but we are sharing it with all those around the world who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so today, even though we're not together physically, we are together in one heart, one mind, one spirit today, and we celebrate together. The Apostle Paul, when writing to the church in Corinth, said, For I receive from the Lord that which I also pass on to you. But the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment to give thanks for the broken body of Jesus and all that that represents for us, that we can know you and have personal relationship with you today because of the brokenness of his body on the cross. Let's break the bread together. And let's partake together.
The Apostle Paul continues, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Good Friday. We thank you for all that it represents. We thank you that Jesus died. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for what was accomplished on the cross. And Lord, today as we stand before you, there is so much fear, so much concern, so much heartache, so much uncertainty. But Lord, today we are reminded that there is one thing that is certain, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords reigns supreme. And so Heavenly Father, I pray today for all of those who have been with us in this brief communion service this morning. I pray for your peace and your comfort. I pray for your healing on their broken bodies. I pray for those who are sick. I pray your protection on those who have to go and serve in places Lord, that are essential in the days that we're living in. Would you protect them? Would you keep them safe? Would you watch over them? Lord, would you be with our loved ones that we're not able to be with in this time? Lord, would you help us in this time to draw close to you, for our hearts to be right before you? And Father, I pray that you would prepare us to be able to serve you in ways that we never have during this unusual time. May your blessing rest on each as we today celebrate the death of Jesus, because we know and anticipate that in a couple of days, we will celebrate his resurrection. Lord, may your blessing be on all of those who are part of this service today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Done by 
perfect sin, the sacrifice, as blood ran down those nails and wood, history was split in two, yes, history was split in two. Thank you, Tyler, for leading us this morning. And I just pray and encourage you just to continue to consider the wonder of the cross. And may we never, never lose the impact of that. And I pray today that God will be with you and help you. I want to remind you today that normally on Good Friday, it's the one day of the year where we take a special offering that's specifically focused on helping others. It's our benevolent fund offering. Unfortunately, this year, we're unable to take it because we're not gathered. And unfortunately, because of our circumstances, our giving is already down. So I want to encourage you today that if you would be able to set aside just a small amount in addition to what you would normally give as a benevolent offering, a designated benevolent offering as you give over these next couple of weeks so that we might be able to continue to help those in our community and in our church that are looking to us for help in this very challenging time. May God bless you, may God be with you, and may you have a wonderful day.